All right, let me read. I'm going to read Romans 8, 38 and 39. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, there's a, a Bible prof- professor that I started reading recently. Her name's Karen Jobes. And uh, she has this story about uh, the end of her mom's life that, uh, that she said it, that she preached in a sermon that I recently read about this story. And so her, she was caring for her mom. And so Karen Jobes herself, she's a Bible professor, so she's a Christian. And her mom's a Christian. She's caring for her mom on her, I think, literal uh, deathbed. And as her mom is, is nearing death, uh, she just started to have this fear creep up in her, as I imagine anybody that's near death has had this fear or even just doubts. And her mom, who's a Christian, says to herself, like, she, this fear is, like, what if eternal life with God isn't real? What if it isn't real? And so while she's having that fear, her mom is having that fear, feeling that fear, she turns to her daughter, Karen, and she says, what if, what if it isn't real? And she, she meant like all of it, like believing in God, Jesus, eternal life, the resurrection. Like, what if it isn't real? And Karen, she's a, she's a Bible professor, so she's like going through her head. She's flicking through like every theological answer. What's the best theological answer to give her mom in this moment of fear near death? And she just, she landed on a very simple sentence. And it was this, Jesus loves you and he wouldn't lie. Us knowing that is kind of the point of Romans. Us knowing that is kind of the point of Romans chapter 8 at the very least. And a lot of scholars would argue those verses that I just read are the point of Romans 1 through 8. Like those verses are what Paul has been trying to get at. Paul wants us to know that Jesus loves us and he wouldn't lie about that. A scholar I really like in the last couple of years is named Michael Bird. He says, Romans is a love story about God's love for creation, his love for Israel, his love for his son, and his love for the church. What we've been learning in this series is because of Jesus, through the Spirit, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Jesus, through his spirit, by the end of Romans chapter 8, wants us to know that he loves us. And he's not lying about it. He, he, these, these verses, this chapter 8, really Paul was using it for the Roman church. But God, through Paul, wants the church to be sure of God's love. The theological idea is like assurance of their salvation. Paul wants them to be sure that God's love is with them. Wants them to be sure that God's love is real. That that Jesus has brought God's love to them. He wants them to be sure about that in times when it's easy to be unsure about that. And so uh, this is why I don't do this uh, very often, but before we... Before we even get into the sermon and and talking through this passage at the end of Romans chapter 8, I want us to stop and I want us to pray silently in our seats, each of us pray that somehow 
through God's word this morning that we would become more sure of God's love. Or maybe you don't feel very sure. Pray that you become sure for the first time. Pray for each other in the room. Go, God, help us to be sure, help us to be assured about God's love through your word this morning. So take a minute, pray through that, and then we'll go through the rest of the sermon. Go ahead and legitimately pray right now. God, help us to be sure of your love this morning. God, for those that aren't sure, will you help us, help them to be sure? God, help me to be sure of your love this morning through your words. We need you, God. We need your love. We're desperate for it. Amen. All right. I know that's weird, maybe not normal, but I think praying during a sermon should be a lot more normal. Uh, so today, we, we're, we're wrapping up this series that we've been in the last seven weeks called Life in the Spirit, where we've been going through Romans chapter 8, just a few verses at a time, and we're seeing in Romans chapter 8 how integrated the Holy Spirit is into the life of the Christian, and that's why, we've been call, that's why the series is called Life in the Spirit. And we've just seen all these beautiful truths about God and who He is and what He does and, and just all these wonderful things. And so today, we're going to see how Romans chapter 8 8 ends with Paul finding every way that he can to tell us that God's love is with us, that we haven't been separated from his love. Paul is finding all kinds of ways in this really kind of, you knew, I think when he was writing this, he's like, these are some bars, okay? I know you guys don't know that because you're white, but these are some good lines, okay? These are some good lines. And so he, he's writing this and he's going, I'm going convin- to show them how God's love is with us no matter what. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through Romans 8, verses 29 through 39, 10 verses. We're just going to go, we're going to stop in four different places, and we're going to see four different ways that, that Paul says that God's love is with us no matter what. Okay, and so that's what we're doing today. Before we get into it, just, just a really key thing to remember that Romans, and Romans chapter 8 has been communicating to us, is this love of God that we are not separated from and that God's love is with us no matter what, Paul has been also trying to make it clear through Romans that we have that love because of Jesus. Like the reason we are not separated from it, the reason we can see how powerful it is, is because of Jesus. And so as we're talking about all these things about God's love today and how we're not separated from God's love, it's just important for us to know that Jesus is the hinge He is the hinge to the how and why God's love is not separated from us for any reason whatsoever. Okay? Jesus is the foundation. But we're going to look at four different ways at the end of Romans here that that God's love is with us no matter what. So let's hop into it. Let's read verses 29 and 30 is where we'll start. The verses will be on the screen. He says this, "For, For those 
he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Okay, right away, we kind of have to address a little bit the controversy of these verses. I I heard some of you suck in air as soon as I read the word predestined. And um, very quickly, these verses, for a lot of us in the room, we read these verses and we immediately, our brains get into the, like, the free will versus predestination arguments. And, and, and we make these verses about the free will versus des- uh, predestination. Or you could call it Calvinism versus Arminianism. Like, you could call it lots of different kinds of things. But right away, that's what our Western minds want to do. That's what uh, even I want to do when I'm reading these verses. But we have to realize... Right away, that's not, what, that's not what Paul is trying to do with these verses. He's not trying to get into that conversation. Now, I think you could use these verses to talk through that stuff and think through that stuff uh, a bit here. But that's not what Paul is trying to do with these verses. And you might be going, oh, this is Anthony. He's just softening it. You know, I, I read two different Calvinist authors this week who said that's not what Paul is trying to do with these verses. What Paul is trying to do here with these verses is he's using these words that we often debate about. He's trying to convince us. He's trying to convince the Roman church and us millennia later yet another way and another reason that God's love has gotten to you and to us and is with us. Paul is saying that God, before history ever began, has ordained history in a way to get his love to you. That's what he's trying to communicate here. So I would say don't get wrapped up thinking about the free will versus predestination here from these verses. Later, if you want to go through that and think through that a bit more, I think that's great. I think you should. But don't get stuck on that. Don't get wrapped up on that. Get wrapped up on thinking about how God has been thinking about how to get his love to you before time ever existed. That's what Paul's trying to communicate. Before time ever existed, God has been thinking about how to get his love to you. And so this is the first way that these ending verses show us that what Paul is trying to communicate about God's love being with us no matter what. God has ordered history itself to get his love to you. His love is, it's not some willy-nilly thing. It's not an ancillary thing to who he is. His love is not a surprise addition to history. His love is not weaker than history. His love has been a heat-seeking missile launched toward you before you were ever born. Jesus loves you, and he wouldn't lie. He's loved you before you ever knew what love was. That's the first thing we see about how God's love is with us no matter what. Let's keep going. Verses 31 and 32. What then are we say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? So the next reason, the next reason that Paul wants us to know that God's love is with us is because God is for us. 
God isn't against you. He, so, so much so, he gave up his own son in a sacrificial death for you and for me. Some of us think God is against us. Some of us have been told that. Get it out of your head. Get that out of your head right now. God is not against you. God is for you. And, and, and this is a lot more than just saying, like, God's on your side. God, through Paul, is trying to communicate that your relationship with him, it, it, it's so full of favor, it's so full of love, that you and God have something special going on. I've been trying to think, okay, how do I explain this idea that God is for you? And, and the closest thing I could think of is God, God is God's love is like a mom's love. God's love is like a mom's love, or like a lot of the moms I've seen, and my mom. There is just something about a mom that is for her child. She wants all the goodness for her child possible. She looks to bring uh, more goodness to the child and for the child. A mom has a love for her child unlike any other. A mom is for her child. And I think that gives us a glimpse into what it means that God is for you. That's what God's love is like for you. He is for you. He's given up his son for you to get his love to you. And that fact, that idea, it is so powerful that Paul is saying you can stand secure in God's love when people around you indeed are against you. He's not trying to say no one's ever against the people of God. He's trying to say even when people are against you, God is so for you that you could stand secure in his love. Which for any of us in the room that have actually had people against us, we might be reading this and go, well, easy for you to say, Paul. But I would actually say, no, not easy for Paul to say. This guy had a lot of people against him. He had his own people against him. He's like crying out to his own people all the time saying, I was just like you. I didn't see Jesus for who he was. I wish you could. And they beat him for it and did all kinds of horrible things for it. He'd go to random towns and whole groups of new strangers would be against him. So for Paul to say this, that God is for you, it must be true. It must be true. If God can, through a guy like Paul, with that sort of life experience, say, God's for you no matter what. Who can be against you if God is for you? It's got to be true if it can be true for Paul. Let's keep reading. Let's see the, the next way that God's love is with us. Verses 33 and 34. Who can bring in a, an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Okay, I've, I've read this chapter a lot. I've read this passage a lot. I've heard the, all of these verses a lot, and I've heard those verses that I just read a lot, partially because it's Romans chapter 8. Lots of people love this chapter. It's their favorite chapter of the Bible. But I've also heard it a lot because it's my dad's favorite chapter of the Bible, and he's told me every single day he could. And so 
He's always let me know. This is his chapter. And so I've heard this chapter a lot, and I have to confess something. All this talk in this chapter about nothing separating us from God's love. All of these years, I was pretty sure that I found a condemning loophole from, uh, from what Paul was saying, or in what, what Paul was saying. I thought for many years, I found a loophole, and I thought, well, Paul, you don't really say that my sin doesn't separate me from God. You just say all these other things. You don't really say my sin. And so I thought for many years, I, I figured it out. Like, my sin actually does separate me from God, and that's when God's love is separate from me. And then this week, as I'm reading these verses and studying these verses, I realized I really missed something crucial all of these years that Paul was saying. And it's this. He says that condemnation can't separate us from God. So when Paul, when Paul in Romans 8 is talking about condemnation, he's talking about the idea that a charge against you that says you are a sinner, that's what he's talking about when he says condemnation. That we stand condemned before God because of our sin. And, and in one sense... Because of that condemnation, perhaps God's love, like we could be separated from because of our condemnation. But what Paul is actually saying is, no, you can't. Your condemnation, God doesn't condemn you. You can't be separated from God's love because of your sin. That's the point of Jesus. That's the point of what he's done. And if you go through Romans 1 through 8, you're going to see time and time again, Jesus making a way in spite of your sin. Jesus making the atoning, sacrificial work for your sin. So if you're like me and you're like, I found the loophole. My sin separates me from the love of God. Paul would say, no. Not if you trust in Jesus. Not if you trust in Jesus. Even your sin can't separate you from the love of God. There's no separation loophole here. So the voice in my head, for years that thought I had found out the lose out on God's love loophole, it was wrong. Your smarts can't condemn you. Your wits can't condemn you. Your friends can't condemn you. Your religious leaders can't condemn you. I, Anthony, your pastor, can't condemn you. Your sin can't condemn you because of Jesus. That's how powerful what Jesus did on the cross was. Now, now of course, without Jesus, our sin does condemn us, Scripture says. And, and of course, we deal with our sin. We've talked about this in, in this series. Paul has made that clear. We, as the people of God, deal with our sin, repent from our sin, flee our sin. But we do it in the security of God's love. We do it in the midst of never being condemned by God. And, and it's important to know that when we... I do think when we turn to sin... I do think it has some kind of effect of, of making our, our face kind of turn away from God in that moment in some way. But if these verses are true, it means that even when our face is turned away from God and, and turned towards sin, that his face and his love is not turned away from us. That's incredible. Because of Jesus, you can't be condemned anymore. Because of Jesus, God is not going to turn his face away from you. So sorry to the voice in my head, which is me, 
You didn't find the love separated from God loophole. I, in fact, for all these years, I ignored the billboard of love in this chapter. Church kids, kids growing up in our church, or, or adults like me who grew up in the church, I, I, I'll look at me. Between you and God, there is no condemnation. You don't have to prove yourself. Your sin is not keeping God's love away from you. Don't believe that lie. Believe the truth that his love is with you no matter what. And when we begin to realize that, the condemnation shakes off a little bit. When we begin to realize that, your heart sees following God not just as this dutiful obedience, but it sees it as love. God won't even condemn you, church. So don't listen to the other voices that do. That's how powerful Jesus is. God's love is with you always. Jesus loves you and he wouldn't lie. Let's keep reading. Verses 35 and 37. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it's written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul really, really wants to make sure that these Christians know that even the ugliest things of this world cannot keep God's love away from you. For them, those things that, that Paul just listed, they were much more common realities. And so I could imagine if I was in any of those situations, I, I probably would be like, I don't know if God's love is with me. And Paul wanted to make sure, no, it's, it's with you. Even though that's happening, even though you cry out that sort of lament towards God, God's love is with you no matter what. And even though we don't go through those kinds of things, church, it can be easy for us in the midst of our afflictions to feel like God's love isn't here or God isn't with us. But what the word is trying to communicate to us this morning is that God's love is with you even in the midst of the worst that this world has to offer. Right? Those of us going through suffering, we don't want to hear this kind of stuff. We don't want to hear this kind of stuff. But for those of us who have gone through suffering and have remembered this promise of God and remembered this truth that his love is with us, even in this isolating moment of suffering, when we've remembered this promise in the midst of it, it's made suffering a little bit easier. It's made suffering have a little bit more hope. It's made suffering a little bit more possible. It's made us feel a little bit more secure. Nothing you're going through keeps God's love away from you, church. Nothing you're going through. God has not left, even though it can seem like he has through and in suffering. His love is so much with you that it says that you are more than a conqueror. In the Greek, you could really translate that, you are a super conqueror, or a mega conqueror, ultra conqueror, something like that. Like if we were to translate it just totally literal, 
you are a super conqueror. I think Paul, what Paul is trying to say is like, when it seems like life is conquering you, that's not true actually. You are a super conqueror over life because of Jesus. That's the truth. That's the reality. When it seems like life is conquering you, I know it seems that way, that's not what's actually real. What's real is that you are a super conqueror over all of those things because of what Jesus has done. God's love is with you no matter what. So much so you're a super conqueror. We can know the love of God even in the midst of turmoil. And if we, if we have a hard time knowing it in the midst of turmoil, we can at least know his love is there with us. Whether we believe that or not, his love is with us no matter what. We are see, we're seeing all kinds of ways, church, that God's love is with us no matter what. Because of all of that, church, I'm convinced that death itself, that nothing in your life, that some angel can't come up to you, that governmental rulers can't stop you, that, that things happening in your life right now, that things that are going to happen to you 10 years from now, that, that the powers of this world, that they can't get to you, that, that, that if someone took you and put you to the heights of the universe, just the heights of the universe if that was possible, and put you there, that that cannot, and if someone else put, decided to take you and put you to the depths of the universe, that that cannot, and that nothing else that's in creation, anything that you can come up with, none of it can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm convinced of that. Because God is, in Romans 8, trying to convince us that his love is with us no matter what. No matter what. I want to close by reading this really beautiful quote. It's from that scholar I mentioned earlier, Michael Bird, who I've really been enjoying. And he has a great Romans commentary. If you're looking to get deeper into Romans, it's easy to read. And he, he's wrapping up his section on Romans chapter 8. And, he, and he, this is uh, the quote from it. I just felt it was so beautiful and so good at articulating what I've been trying to articulate, but he does it better. So I, I, rather than plagiarize him, I'm, I'm going to read the quote. And so let me read this quote. The words will be on the screen. He says this, the gospel is the good news about the depth and power of God's love for us. This love is not a fleeting romance in song or a toured love story on DVD. It is a love that brought a world into being, a love that called a nation out of slavery, a love that forgave a people for breaking their marriage covenant, a love that was expressed in the sacrifice of a beloved son, a love that springs eternal in the resurrection of the dead. This love is experienced like a blanket of joy in the Holy Spirit. And one day this love will fill the universe like a torrential flood that consumes all in its path. God's love triumphs over tyrants and defeats even death. God's love is like a light shone into the darkness, which the darkness cannot overcome. The day when God is all in all is the day when God's love conquers all. When people in the world cry out, I want to know what love is, we can tell them that real love is from God, seen in the self-giving actions of Jesus and experienced in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the love that conquers everything. Church, may we realize that we have that love in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this sort of love. God, I know this is just part of who you are. You are this sort of love. Thank you that you're the sort of God, because you have this sort of love, you just have to give it to us. You have to communicate this love to us. You have to find a way to get this love to us. And so, God, I want to lift up those in here who have a hard time believing in your love. Would you do something supernatural? Would you do something wild? Even if it's just kind of got an ordinary supernatural thing where just something is stirring in them this whole sermon. Would you do something like that, God? Would you help those that have a hard time believing in this love to be refreshed by your love and believe it and trust in it more? God, for uh, the more mature saints in the room, the ones that would say we don't have a problem knowing your love or understanding your love, God, would you actually help us continue to be warmed by your love? Would you help us not to forget the love that we had when we first started following you? God, help us to realize you've given us this love in all sorts of ways. Help us to see all these things. Help us to know them. Help us to trust in you and your love. God, help us to be convinced like Paul was convinced. God, we love you and we need you. Amen.